I love it when they have an anesthesia provider on site with them for several reasons. One, it gives them an extra set of eyes helping to evaluate that patient. And just to run into like a quick parallel, because when you think about this, Margaret, this is office-based surgery that's happening here. And while the doctors are striving very hard to meet the state requirements, let's draw some analogies to our medical counterparts. After all, we're talking about total body health. So there's some particular analogies that really fit. In the world of an ambulatory surgery center, the anesthesia provider, usually the MD, participates in the pre-op assessment of the patient along with the pre-op nurse. And then usually it's the CRNA that runs the case in the OR. If I was new to dental, right, so I'm just getting in and again, I'm outside, so I'm a marketing guy, so I don't, I've never worked in office. How would you think through or how would you warn somebody like me of like, here's like the main pitfalls you really need to consider when doing full arch from a compliance standpoint? Patient safety, patient safety, patient safety. That's the number one goal. And that's where all the risk comes in right there. It's so critical. And it just isn't something that can be overlooked when you're doing this type of dental implant surgery. It, you, I, too, have been involved in defending docs who um, were up before the board for these very serious issues. And um, it is just, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking um, to see their career ruined by one situation that could have been easily prevented. Welcome back to the special edition of the Full Arch Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more full arch cases so you can grow the way that you want. And today, this special series is really going to help you grow because we have a special guest who is going to be working with us with several of our other guests, and her name is Margaret. Margaret is the founder and chief advisor of i3 Ignite and is an implant marketing and operational genius. She actually was the former Clear Choice COO for many, many years and she helped them scale from the ground up. So this is going to be a set of shows that are really going to help you and your practices grow around Full Arch, so you're going to want to stay tuned. In today's episode, Margaret and I are going to be interviewing Linda Harvey, who's the CEO of Dental Compliance Institute. We're going to be talking about compliance and the risk of doing nothing. Hi, Linda. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about what you think makes compliance different for practices who are doing all on X or dental implants? Certainly, Margaret. This is one of my, my hot topics, if you will, compliance, risk management, patient safety. And what makes it different for an implant center or all on X is the fact that they are highly specialized in surgical procedures, a specific surgical procedure was implants. And that separates them from other general dentists in the field and particularly even separates those specialists from even other dental specialists who perform surgery, such as periodontists. So there's much more involved surgery. The cases typically are longer. And there are many other considerations that the doctors have to think about during that type of procedure. Um, great. So how do you think about things like um, anesthesia? Margaret, what? Which a lot of docs who do all on F <laughs> use either. Um, a nurse anesthetist, or they actually hire an anesthesiologist. Or sometimes they do it themselves. I love it when they have an anesthesia provider on site with them 
for several reasons. One, it gives them an extra set of eyes helping to evaluate that patient. And just to run into like a quick parallel, because when you think about this, Margaret, this is office-based surgery that's happening here. And while the doctors are striving very hard to meet the state requirements, let's draw some analogies to our medical counterparts. After all, we're talking about total body health. So there's some particular analogies that really fit. In the world of an ambulatory surgery center, the anesthesia provider, usually the MD, participates in the pre-op assessment of the patient along with the pre-op nurse. And then usually it's the CRNA that runs the case in the OR. And so while we're not looking at two different sets of you know, providers here, we are looking at the opportunity for another provider, an anesthesia provider, to give that patient another eyes, set of eyes looking at them, listening to their heart, reviewing their medical history, use them more than just administrating the drugs. Great addition to your team. Hey, I got something crazy to share with you, and I'm going to get you right back to the show, I promise. So we have an event called AlignerCon coming up next year, and this month we're giving away a buy one, get one free. We're going to be partnering with ClearCorrect, and this is going to be one of the biggest events that we've ever done in Nashville, Tennessee, in the biggest hotel in America. So if you want to come to this, again, we're going to give you a buy one, get one free. We want to meet you in person. Just go to AlignerCon.com, and we're going to teach you how to create, convert, close, and even some clinical components around clear aligners. So don't miss this event. Go check it out now. Back to the show. If they're not part of your team, if they're um, just hired as needed, Uh depending on the case, then how do you, um, I mean, how do you think about that? Is there anything you need to understand from a compliance standpoint? Well, Margaret, you want to be sure who you're hiring for one thing. You want to make sure that just like you, when you bring in on an associate dentist, that this person has a clear license and you have proof of their malpractice coverage and any claims history in the past. So you know what your what level of quality or competency you're bringing into your own practice. And then from there, talk about communication piece. This is so important to set expectations as the owner of the practice. You want this anesthesia provider to look over the patient's medical history, not just give it a quick glance. You want them to help you to identify any areas that you may have missed. Let's face it, medical treatments, modalities, and pharmaceuticals are changing all the time. So it's another qualified set of eyes looking over that information. Linda, I, I had a, a let me let me chime in here really really quick. So, and this is for somebody who's outside of dental. What? How do you okay. think through um, like? If I was new to dental, right? So I'm just getting in and again, I'm outside. So I'm a marketing guy. So I don't, I've never worked in office. How would you think through or how would you warn somebody like me of like, here's like the main pitfalls you really need to consider when doing full arch from a compliance standpoint? Patient safety, patient safety, patient safety. That's the number one goal. And that's where all the risk comes in right there. As a matter of fact, there was two cases reselling this just this year that were published from Washington State where patients died. One of them was an 86-year-old male having surgery, also had COPD. So sometimes patient selection is is, is overlooked as close as it should be. So if you don't know anything about dentistry and you're coming in, you want to look at multiple different areas that are based on what's called your risk assessment and looking at different areas of the practice to assess the clinical risks, the business risks, um, the operations risks, strategic risks. And this is a strategic change when a practice adopts you know, the philosophy to move forward as an implant center. So that takes a major risk assessment. You know, you've, I've heard you say that um, when you think about patient safety, it's not just chair side. So can you help us understand what that means? Oh, Margaret, I'm so glad you mentioned that. 
It's so important because when you think about patient safety, you typically think of it just the clinical setting. Uh, do we have the right patient in the chair or do we have everything set up for this right procedure? Uh, do we anesthetize the correct side? All those different aspects of patient safety. But patient safety actually begins in the front. And so when we think about how to incorporate many different aspects to become an implant center or all on X, it's what about looking at that whole case improvement? So if you're improving your consults, let's talk about how we can incorporate patient safety there. Is there some element of the medical history that you can reinforce to the patient to be sure they are being 100% truthful with you on that medical history? Let's talk about practice management. And as we think about having implant-focused practice management processes, there's certainly an opportunity to integrate patient safety and risk management into that. Because, Margaret, that's what corporate risk management, or called, it's actually called enterprise risk management, is all about. It looks at all those different domains for risk and safety. Um, great. So I know this sounds really simplistic, but I will tell you it's often overlooked. And I think it's really important based on prior conversations we've had. Things like how, like how do you, how do you ensure not just think, hope, or guess, right? But how do you ensure that things like um, the emergency drugs on your crash cart haven't expired? Who's in charge of narcotics? Um, how do you how do you think about um, the oxygen and where that is? Is it on the crash cart? Is it somewhere else? Um, how do you really run a tight ship in terms of these things that are really critical when you're doing in office the extensive surgeries? These surgeries can be four plus hours long. Margaret, you just hit on something that that I probably have not thought about before. And here's a thought: you think about oral surgeons, they go through a residency and they're in the hospital. So they understand hospital procedures. Our general dentists who are becoming experts in, in, in implants and all on board, they're, they're taking courses, maybe have not had that same experience. So they don't have an opportunity to be exposed to other processes that they can bring back into their practice. So keeping that in mind, they don't know what they don't know. And while they're focusing very hard to be compliant with all the state regulations. Let's face it, they cannot get that sedation permit unless they've taken the right courses and they have the right emergency medical drugs. But it doesn't mean you have the right person running the show for you. And typically, Mar, but I find that they are missing compliance with the federal DEA policies. And the narcotics counts are accurate. They, they're not being conducted properly. Um, if there's a DEA inspection, you could be fined thousands of dollars for not being compliant. And it's just very... and. Well, enough, it's a lot of risk. And so another section is, just think about diversion. You may be leaving gaps in your practice that invites your team members to divert those drugs. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not so good. No. <laughs> well, um, I have another question for you, again, coming from the newbie here. Um, so how would you... How would you advise an office if they could own, or what is the biggest problem the dentists are bringing to you right now that you're seeing like, oh man, over and over and over and over and over and over again, they're getting it wrong on compliance? One of the biggest things I'm seeing is lack of staff training. They're missing compliance. They're losing, they're losing what I'm calling compliance memory that we have now in the process of trademarking because they've lost key people or they never had that key person on staff to begin with. Let's take an existing practice that has key, key team members and they're becoming an implant center. And then they lose someone who's in charge of compliance. Even part of it, because you know one person in the back doesn't usually handle it all, 
but they lose part of that compliance piece. Now they've lost their compliance memory and they don't know where to start. So you bring somebody else on who doesn't know the ropes, doesn't know the office, maybe is brand new to dentistry, and you've got triple jeopardy. Mm. So like an example of this would be you, outside of compliance, would be you train somebody at the front desk to answer the phones, you teach them all the scripting, and then they leave and you hire a new person. If you don't have something documented and trained and something that they can go through and train, you're basically starting over from scratch again, right? Is it the same way when it comes to compliance? Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but I got something that's going to provide some value to you. This segment is called Ask Gary, and we have people who've been sending in their questions, and we're answering them live on the podcast. If you have a question about marketing, you can email us at askgary at smcnational.com, or you can DM us or leave a comment below. So today's question came from Steve, and he asked, why is it so hard to track dental marketing? And this is a great question. And really what this, the problem is, the core of the problem of why it's so hard to track marketing is because, first of all, it's brick and mortar. So this is not e-commerce where you can track everything end to end from the click to the person buying the thing in the shopping cart. Um, It's brick and mortar. So that makes it a little bit harder. But what makes it even harder than that is that the information inside of your dental practice PMS, your practice management software, is not connected to your marketing. It's disconnected. So what's happening over here in your marketing is not communicating back to your PMS. And when you get the right kind or the wrong kind of patients into your office, that has to be communicated back to your marketing. So very few people have integrations that work that end to end. That's something that we do uh, for most practice management softwares. We do have that ability to do that. But if you don't have those two things communicating automatically, you have to do it manually, which is almost impossible. And that's why it's so hard to track everything in marketing. Exactly, Gary. That's a perfect analogy. And I would take it a step further because it's a lot more than knowing the scripts of what to do, but it's knowing the why behind it. Hey, do you, do you have a next uh, question, Margaret? I think that I loved your last question, Gary. And I think that's a great place to end, actually. Okay. Uh, do anything, uh, Linda, before I do anything else you want to cover before we don't high level? Well, I can say, Gary, what I'd like to say is as a closing thought, I'd like to say that it's very important that an office conducts a thorough risk assessment. We talk about the security risk analysis from the HIPAA side, but that enterprise risk management risk assessment for the entire practice, you don't have to be a big corporate group to do an enterprise risk management evaluation. Every single practice is an enterprise unto itself. So going through those domains, looking at the risk and being prepared to know what risk you want to accept as the practice owner and what risk you want to mitigate, remove, or transfer. Yeah, because I think risk is one of those things in my brain, like it's kind of like taxes, right? Like you don't ever fully follow, or, or HIPAA is probably a good exa- another good example. You, you don't actually follow HIPAA all the way, right? Like there's no such thing as doing it all the way. In taxes, there's, unless you're just, you know, have a very simple, straightforward job. If you're running a business and you have personal finances and you own a couple of houses, you are probably breaking a rule somewhere, right? Like there's so many rules on top of rules. And so you have to do an mm-hmm. assessment to figure out what your threshold of comfortable, being comfortable with yeah. what risk. Yeah. But if you don't even know yeah. the risk to begin with, right? Like you don't even know what that threshold is. You you can't even figure it out. Is that, am, am I am I understanding compliance correctly? Is it kind of like that? You're dead on, Gary. That's perfect analogy. Yep, you're dead on. So what? So last question for you. What if someone says, "Okay, great. 
Um, I don't want to do any compliance thing. I don't want to pay any more money. I'm already paying a bunch of money for everything. What are they actually risking by not getting an assessment and actually understanding if they are in or out of compliance? Like what happens? Like wh- who who cares? Like what what is something that will eventually catch up with people if they don't pay attention to these things? Gary, ultimately, they're risking their license and their livelihood and a person's life. I have worked with dentists who have been sanctioned by the regulatory boards, dental licensing board, for over 20 years now in multiple states. And every time I see it, it's a sad state of affairs. In some of the cases, the patients have died. And when you attend those board of dentistry meetings and you sit there and you watch the poor dentist sitting there with their legal counsel in front of the board being questioned, and the family is in the room picketing and the signs, and you see how this really impacts someone's life. So it's, 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 it's so critical. And it just isn't something that can be overlooked when you're doing this type of dental implant surgery. It, you, I, too, have been involved in defending docs who um, were up before the board for these very serious issues. And um, it is just, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking um, to see their career ruined by one situation that could have been easily prevented. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it, Margaret? And so just, I, I would also say it's important not to let your ego trip you up. No matter how qualified you are and how confident you are in your own skills, which is an important thing to have. Don't let your ego stand in the way of always looking for opportunities for improvement. There's no way the doctors, they always are looking for ways to improve in their clinical skills. So look for ways to improve with patient safety and, and them as well. Yeah, that's what it really, to me, compliance kind of seems like this necessary evil thing. Like, again, like taxes, like, come on, you got to do your taxes. Uh, okay, fine. But when you say patient safety, it kind of changes things, right? Like, that's why they're in the business that they're in is to help these patients. So when you say, Compliance is one thing, but when you when you really put the the other name of safety of patients, it kind of changes the mindset on it. And I, I love that take on that, and I'm definitely going to use that in the future when talking with folks about this particular topic. If if someone wants to find out more from you, like if someone's like, you know what, I need to consider this, I need to look into this. What's the best way to get in touch with you, uh, Linda? Well, there's several ways, Gary. The first is the email, and that's simple. It's risk r i s k risk team at lindaharvey.net. And then we also have our Dental Compliance Institute, which is a compliance membership group for compliance, patient safety, risk management that the team members can be might be interested in, especially if they're going to serve, serve some type of role in their practice in that compliance and safety and risk management. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Great, great to have you. My pleasure. Thank you. 